This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we are taking a look at Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to see if our nostalgia is warranted. So, Mark, you are going to start us off with a 60-second synopsis. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Definitely (laughs) yes. Oh, my God. This is the first time you've said, I am definitely ready. I'm excited. Which is the best because I haven't practiced at all, so I have no idea if I actually am. But... (laughs) It's so rare for you to have false confidence. I'm into it. All right. I'm going to give you a countdown. So in three, two, one, go. Inventor Wayne Zielinski believes he has invented a machine that can shrink matter, but without proof, he is rejected by his scientific peers. Wayne returns home and destroys his machine, but to his dismay, he later discovers that the machine has successfully shrunk his children along with two neighbor kids, who all got swept into the trash with the debris of his ruined machine. Wayne and his wife spend the rest of the day searching the backyard to no avail, but the kids manage to get back home the next morning with the help of some insects and their dog, Quark. The kids are then restored to normal size using the repaired machine, and everyone lives happily ever after until the sequel oh my god that may be the quickest one yet you have like 24 seconds left we're not even gonna let it run out normally we let it go until it rings but yeah you nailed it yeah i definitely summarized something you you kind of skipped the entire backyard scene (laughs) you know the bulk of the movie so, so I mean, you got the, the general summary, idea across. Yeah. The summary got hit with the shrink ray in the <laughs> middle, so I just shrunk the whole summary down. All right, let's go on to log form. So, what did you guys see as adults that you may have missed as children? Well, it's not something I missed, but I have to start with literally the first thing that happens, which is I have always loved these credits. Oh, okay, the cartoon credits. Yeah, I think they're great. I thought they were so much fun and interesting to watch as a kid, even though the kids in the credits look nothing like the kids in the movie. Right. I was confused and wondering if I had loaded the correct movie. Oh, no. I I vividly remember those credits. Okay. Because I was, it's very like, well, it's like a Disney cartoon. I was going to say it's like Tom and Jerry or Hanna-Barbera, but yeah, it was. What are you saying? That's the music that plays in the background during the credits. <laughs> okay. Why are you yeah. making a face at me? That's it's what? fine. <laughs> I I was not a super fan of the credits, but like, there's nothing bad with them. I was just excited to get like the real story going, and it seemed like this was a delay, but it's opening credits, and that's what it's there for. I thought it's more interesting than it's just here's opening credits over the backdrop of a city. It's kind of fun. It's like watching a little cartoon. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. in the release of this originally on the VHS, they had the awesome Robert, Roger Rabbit short at the beginning, and I was they hoping did. that we could find that and it would be part of this movie, but it wasn't. So. Oh, yeah, I did not find other versions. And I, and I guess it t- it's technically not part of the movie. It wouldn't have been part of our review, but it was still a great short. And I don't think it was on the version of the DVD I watched mm. as an extra or something. 
All right, so the thing that caught my eye, the first thing that I missed as a child completely and don't recall is that the Selinskis are having marital trouble. That was the same thing that I I like, didn't notice that at all the first I, well I think I knew but I hadn't remembered it at like, all. I, I remembered that. Remember Wayne Selinsky as being kind of a zany father, uh you know this mad scientist. I think it's in later movies where they have like the weird vacuum mailbox. Uh because that's what I remember about the character, his inventions and how he's so um Mm, eccentric with his yeah, inventions. Well, and, like they don't. It, they, it's like the first five, ten minutes of the movie are all about the marriage problems and when's mom coming home, and, all, and then it never comes up again for the rest of the movie. It seems like so. Yeah, but it's it's more severe than them just having a fight because the mom right. has just spent the night at her mom's house, taking her away from her own children. Which I, I'm viewing it as adult. I'm on the side of the mom. Which I would think offhand I'd be in the side of Wayne Selinsky because I love Rick Moranis. I was kind of in between because they definitely do talk about the fact that like, like he's not just being a kind of absent-minded father-husband. They talk about the fact that he... He's just always busy. He's, well, he's, he quit his previous job and this job he really needs the grant to keep. Because later on when they're like looking for the kids, he's like, I'll go back to my old job. Everything will be better. But at the time, it seems like he's on an enormous amount of stress. And it gets like bullied by other scientists. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Yes, the people he's trying to get a grant from. Well, you've managed to shrink one thing, the audience at this convention. (laughs) And I'm like, jeez, professionalism. (laughs) (laughs) But okay. I want to talk about this because I noticed something that really bothered me as an adult because, yes, his shrink ray doesn't work. He tries to shrink things and they explode instead of shrinking. However, before this happens the first time with the apple, we see that by shooting a beam at something, he is a complete computer graphic model of this object. He has invented a 3D scanner years before it is ever going to be used this I has mean, also, so many things that you could sell it for like you could measure people's body and sell clothing that fits them perfectly he also made a death ray i mean <laughs> that's true. true that is military applications yeah he made a death ray and they're like and oh no it's not good enough i need a ray that things blows on people. a nuclear level like you shoot I mean, this at a battleship with that yeah so like now, i don't he didn't do what he set out to do, but so many things in science, they find the invention by working on other things. Like penicillin. Nobody set out to make penicillin. It just kind of happened one day. I'm curious, though, like, his explanation of this was that they're going to shrink things because... All things are made up of density in the matter, but also space. So they're shrinking it by removing the space, which makes all the matter smaller, apparently. So how does that make something explode if he does it wrong? According to the thing later, it's because the laser overheated? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, the the solution does turn out to be less lasers, which seems non-scientific. The way it works... I was going to say magic, but instead of all of your molecules <laughs> coming magic. in together, all of your molecules are going out together in an right, explosive right. fashion. So instead of removing the space between molecules, it just, just increases the space indefinitely. <laughs> yes. Also magic. Yeah. Also, 
this film was predicting my comments as I was writing them. <laughs> I had another movie that kept doing that. And I kept getting really mad. Yeah, so it was chomping on my game real hard because the first thing, uh, first time we meet Nick, which is the the smaller Selinsky kid, he is holding a scale model that he has invented. I was like, oh, he made that because it's his dad's machine. And then the next scene, he shows it to his dad. It's like, look, I made your machine. I was like, dang it. I was going to comment on I- that. I think Nick was my favorite character because he's this, like, sarcastic genius boy. Yes, he was great. Uh, I hated the other small boy, but we will get to that. The second time Um, it it chomped on my game was when the apple exploded. I literally wrote down, well, at least he invented something that can make applesauce. And then that was the next line in the film. uh, There's there's a really great Uh, joke in that beginning scene that the daughter says when she's on the phone, which is, her friend asks why a certain couple from their school broke up. And she's like, because of religious differences, she thought she was God and he disagreed. Yeah. And that was definitely a joke Solid. I did not pay attention to when I was a kid. But yeah. it is a good comment. And then she gets tangled in the phone cord, which you can't do anymore. Oh, yes. That was such a 90s girl action to do. I what we just got to her. She is my favorite character. Because for being a female in an action film or, like, an adventure film, she is fully capable. Like, she does get saved, but she's not, like, captured. She's not the damsel. She is in charge for most of the adventure. But she, I, 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 she, I found the... her to be really whiny, though, for most oh, of it. No. She was always complaining whiny... about what her brother was doing. Well, she was... well. Mark, I mean, I, saw I think she's more being protective, she was... but maybe yes. overprotective. And yeah, that got maybe really a little. Does that go back to the fact that both of her parents work? And yes. so does she babysit a lot? Is she home with him a lot? So the first time that we see them or we see them is she is making breakfast for the family. She's doing a Badly. poor job, uh, but like the mom's not there. She's trying to ensure that her little brother and her father are eating. She and is the parental figure in this family at that moment. And he somehow smuggled an ego from his pocket. <laughs> oh, he pulls it from out from a, when like she's giving the food and he doesn't want to eat. And I think he feeds it to the dog who doesn't eat it either. But he like pulls a waffle from under the table. And I'm like, where did this waffle go? That's his other invention, Sarah. It's a um, table waffle. But, uh, but I think going back to like her being capable, I think all of the four children mm-hmm. at different times are are the ones leading the ideas and at one point are needing help. And so I think there's an equal balance of all of them relying on each other. I would disagree for the uh, for Ronald, the smaller kid of the other family, because he complains like a butt ton. Oh, he does. He's and the I worst. don't know if he ever he's the leads. One, no, he, well, he, he he's the one the that ant. figured out fire, right? Oh, yeah. He figured out light? fire? Maybe? You mean he lit something he, on he, fire? He, he, and yes, suggested... he was the one that figured out how to get them light. He was also the one that figured out that, Oh, yeah, because well, he says... Amy, hey, Amy, Amy, the older Selinsky kid, was the one who first tempted Auntie with the food, but mm-hmm. he figured out how to put it on a rope and just ride the ant with it. That is, he is the He's the ant whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> he's super obnoxious, but he is the ant whisperer, so we'll give him that. Yeah, so I really liked Amy because she is taking care of her little brother. When they get shrunk down, she is taking care of the group. So she is kind of being this parental figure throughout. 
and like she's definitely kind of the heroine many times she is leading the group because it's composed of two kids that she could be babysitting and a guy that is trying to figure out his life and failing also has googly eyes for her yes I remember being really into that couple when I was young, being like, yeah, they're going to get together. I'm glad you brought that up because (laughs) uh, seeing her at the very beginning dance in the kitchen, uh, it reminded me of how how much I was crushing on her as a little kid. Like she is really pretty. Yeah. And this film was kind of informative and in kind of in a bad way because it it's not real life at all. Like it was instructive in how you get the pretty popular girl to like you. Uh, it's several steps long and involves you getting shrunk down and then her accidentally drowning and then you saving her life. I mean, in some ways it's realistic. They talk about there's a lot of instances of people becoming very, very close very quickly in circumstances of, of great trial. Right. Things like that. Like people who get like <laughs> in an in a, a huge accident together, there's this kind of sense of camaraderie. So in that way, it it's kinda makes sense, but also it makes no sense. Right. Because it's very movie expanded out. Yes. Yeah. So while you're right that this the relationships do form if you both have the same trauma that you go through. However, once that trauma is over, once the adventure is done, you start drifting apart. Uh, the we only see them up until Thanksgiving. We don't know how long that relationship's going to last. And it's a high school relationship anyway. I don't think they're together in the sequel. I don't, just, even, I don't, I don't even think that other family shows. I think she, they are. I think she and Nick are. I think the other family just completely disappears. <laughs> Uh, which is fine because I very much did not like that family. Like the dad. I, okay, the dad. No, is I like love Matt for the biggest jerk though. That was, but that's the character. Well, okay, yes, but he takes it a little too far for me. Uh, the the biggest groan I had is so they're planning on going on a camping trip. Uh, they're gonna take their two kids. And the two kids disappear because they get shrunk. At one point in the film, his friend comes by with a, um, whatchamacallit, a mobile home. Ar- That's not what it <laughs> An is. An RV. An RV. Uh, and asking him, oh, are you ready to go camping? He's like, oh, we can't. And he could just tell him, we're having trouble with the kids. We need to take care of them this weekend. But no, he blames it on his wife and her plumbing problems. But I'm not sure they wanted to admit at that point that the kids were missing. Sure, but I think there's Were they feeling like they were bad parents because they lost their kids or something? I don't I'm not sure. But like that friend is only there for that one scene that lasts all of two minutes. Yeah. And I I think there's the problem of we're seeing these characters for literally like one day. That's all we see of them. And we're seeing them at times that for all of the characters, there's a lot of like busy, slightly stressful things happen. Like Mm -hmm. He's trying to get this whole camping trip and get them out of there at a reasonable time. And everyone's just like sitting around doing nothing. He's like, I'm trying to park the, pack all of the stuff. And he's finding out things about his son that have been hidden from him. Also, I just love Matt Frewer. Frewer? Sure. Is he the father of the second family? Yeah. He's also known as Max Headroom. <laughs> I don't. He's also been in a ton of stuff. Like, he's great. I think okay. he is hilarious. And I, so I did maybe like I just have good feelings lines. about him. It's just... I guess he's playing the main antagonist in this, which is maybe I just why think he's, he's supposed to be the opposite kind of father as Rick Moranis because they're both kind of distant from their kids, but he's in the 
outdoorsy, manly man kind of way where he thinks everybody has to do things the way that he wants them to be done. I think the problem and is he just... Rick I don't think was he, just distant because he's always busy. I don't necessarily think he's like, oh, everyone has to do it like my way. I think that's just, these are things I know and I don't know how to relate to things outside of the things I know. So he's like, well, you have to be on the football team because I had the best time and football was great for me and he can't understand yeah, that this it's is not what, great for his son. Yeah. So he was the captain of the football team. He had a great job or a great um, time as a kid, and he wants to share that experience with his son. Yeah. But his son is not into it. But like and, that's and the he, idea of this whole fishing trip too. Is that he's trying to have family time. He's trying to show. He's trying to relate to his son with an activity that he enjoys, and the son is not into it. Now, and I, oh, go ahead. But I just and I think that's the reason he talks about like at one point I wish he was more like Ronald. Yes, Ron. Ronald, I think, is both the name of the... F- oh, no. No, Russell. Russell. Is Russell. Russell's the name of the father and the elder son. And then son. Ron. Yes. Okay. But, like, he talks about, I wish he was more like Ron. And I think it's because he can relate more easily and he's not confused by why there's this, like, disagreement for him because... Even though Ron younger- shot him in the head with an arrow. It's true, but Ron is more out, like outdoorsy things. He does baseball. He likes bow and arrows. He's really excited for the fishing trip. Like well, to him, that'd be like, I can easily relate to that. I don't have to go out of my comfort zone to try to figure this out. Yeah, but there's also the age difference where Russell is junior high school, early high school age. And so going through puberty, going through changes, trying to figure out what he likes, whereas Ron is a little kid, maybe eight to 10. And so I would put him older than that. I'd put him more yeah, like 12. I would have too. 12. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, I think he's very much in the age set where he wants to be around his dad. He wants to uh, do things with his dad. So whatever the dad is into is what he's going to pick up and what he's going to do. That was not true with me or my parents. No. I was not like, I have to do what my parents do because I'm at that age and I want to do what they think. It's because I thought all their stuff was boring. <laughs> Sorry, so parents, it's, if you it's ever interesting, to this. though, because Ron was the one. I don't know that I would say I related to him more, but I always enjoyed really? the outdoor stuff. Okay. So his and his sarcastic comments throughout the thing and always making fun of people just kind of was funny to me growing up. So I, I mean, the older brother Russell was just the pretty boy who had nothing figured out. Yeah. Uh, so, so I never liked him much to begin with. But I, had the, I, I, had I never with... said would have said that I didn't like. Ronald Russell either, doesn't so. talk very much and it makes him kind of a mannequin. Yeah, so I had problems just with stares at both of the children of that family because like you said, Russell, the older kid, his whole entire character is that he doesn't want to do the things his dad wants him to do and he wants to figure out what he's into but he doesn't know what that is. And that point of uh, confusion in the character doesn't make him a very interesting character for screen. Although, how many teenagers in world in the in real life could say that about themselves as well? Because <laughs> how sure. many of them have their lives figured out? But so. it's a common film trope that like they at least know what they want to do or what they want to try. They have some goal that they want to. They know what they want to be when they grow up. Whereas this kid has no idea whatsoever. Hey guys, to take the conversation back a little, sure. I did a little research. That kid was probably 14 to 15 when they filmed that movie. Yeah, I thought really? he was older He was than... very short. What? Wait, well, wait, I mean, some people who? don't go through their... The the younger one. Ronald. He was, yeah, he was yeah. born in 74 and the movie came out in 89. Okay, because mm-hmm. he wasn't much taller than Nick. 
and Nick seemed to be fairly young. I didn't get a growth spurt until I was 15, so my dad didn't until he was late high school. I didn't ever. Yeah, poor Mark, he's short. <laughs> yes, you were born fully formed, Mark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's probably about 14. So okay. not anywhere close to eight years old. That I... You need to be around children more. <laughs> Fair enough. I I guess never mind. <laughs> to me, there were two not in a creepy way. There were two different groups. There were the older children, the younger children. Yes. I was grouping I would, I both would, of the younger children together around the same age, and maybe I didn't. Maybe I, I didn't watch the, them because I didn't love the character and how much I put the older two in second. high school, the middle, uh, the Ron in middle school, and probably Nick in late elementary school. I'd make him maybe ten, eleven. Okay. I can buy it. I did not get that from the characters, but maybe that's something I missed that you guys saw. I know. Maybe you're just a really mature 14-year-old and you don't understand these childish ways. Yes. <laughs> I don't know I, why I said that so sorry. <laughs> because that's how you child. talk. <laughs> um, so I have to say, the dog is the best character. Oh, by yeah, far. Yeah. Quark? Well, I, I don't Quark know. Great. Yeah. You like he Quark better than Auntie? Mark, Mark, don't even start. Yes. Uh, I did love Auntie. He was like a dog Angie. with an exoskeleton, but exactly. Quark is the best because he, he saves, saves the day. He saves the day, and like except he gets scared scene, away by a stupid little cat. No, no, Mark. What made <laughs> everything was the very first scene. He plays the role of a mailman, and it's adorable. And like when the they blow up the apple, and he's saying the stuff about applesauce, he just comes up and licks his face, <laughs> and it's adorable, and I love it. And he gets his own treat. Do, isn't it basically any movie that has a dog is going? Yes. The dog is going to be the main the character for us. Dogs no, are good, Mark. I will agree that Auntie is a close. Except second. for Cujo. So let's let's talk. Oh God, Cujo. Um, <laughs> Cujo is bad. L- let's talk Cujo about has rabies. Auntie. A person or a person, a character that they meet once they have shrunk down going through the 10 miles that is their backyard now. Much better ant than last time. Yes, so by far. So I want to compare the ant to the bee because they both on screen for a long time. I thought the practical effect of the ant was way better than the bee. And it might just be like the visual effects they used for flying with the bee. And I don't know where I saw. I remember seeing something about that a long time ago. I couldn't find it now. But Mm. there was some like special about that where that was like high tech graphics at the time. Oh, for sure. Being able to get the bee flying around through the clothing. That tends to be the things that age badly is the more like computer tech stuff where a lot of practical yeah. effects well it always it was a practical effect so it always kind of looked like this and it it ages really well mm-hmm. because yeah it kind of looks like a puppet ant but i mean it's always kind of looked like a puppet ant right uh, and so it hasn't really aged any it looks this in my mind the same as it did when i was a kid where some of the computer ones are like oh yeah questionable. and like that b scene is real bad to me to relate it to our listeners it the classic effect that i compared this to was the one where like people are in a car and you have a projection behind them showing the traffic around the car whereas this one they're holding on to a practical effect of the bee and then they're supposed to be flying and in the background is everything that shows you you know the path that the bee is taking but it's so much motion and takes up so much on the screen that it's very hard to look at weirdly i wrote down in this that the bee scene terrified me as a child. Really? I don't know if I was just really scared of bees. 
in in the nineties there was that big killer bee scare and maybe just all bees. I'm like, dude, no. And a giant well, bee just gave I've me never a heart seen attack. them swarm like that either. Like <laughs> when you first see the bees, it's like a whole squadron of them flying over, and one just happens well, to come down to that flower. They do but like I've, bee I've dances seen them and be like, hey, like, the flowers are this way, and then they all go to the flowers. Well, right, but if they're all in the hive or something, they might get a bunch of them. But I would never see them just flying by in a whole group like that. Yeah, maybe bees just don't like you. It was very strange. Now, the thing that I liked about this scene is what it set up next. Because because it it separates the siblings uh, and pairs them with their counterpart of counterpart on the opposite family, and so Nick is paired with Russell, Amy with Ronald, and you get this really interesting group dynamic where the siblings are okay with each other, but now they're with the uh, corresponding sibling of the other family, and it makes for interesting dialogue and interesting scenes. So I just Nick wish that Russell, like, the action little- didn't happen to make this happen. Nick and Russell a little less because they don't seem to actually hate each other, where um, Mm. Amy and Ron seem to actively hate each other for most of that scene. The the B scene also sets up Wayne discovering that something is off because he picks up a baseball bat to fight off the bee, and Mm. then he says, well, wait, Nick doesn't play baseball, and so he starts to realize that something is not right. Yeah. Can we talk about the pseudoscience that made this shrink ray activate and shrink the kids? Because <laughs> Ronald hits a baseball uh, that he's thrown up himself. This is like his third attempt, and he has nearly struck himself out. Uh, and then it just kind of fonzies the machine into working. Yeah, I thought it magic. fell on the on the keyboard or something. It and must have falls hit on the, the on keyboard button. and then lands on the laser. It ricochets, or at least like three different control boards before getting into the laser's path. It's the most improbable thing, but this is a very improbable movie. So I I just have a note about fonzing the machine to working (laughs) because you just got to hit something hard enough. And then that's science. I, (laughs) if we're doing weird references to things, that kid who he gets to mow the lawn, that kid got Tom Sawyered. Oh, for sure. Talk about that scene. Um, so Nick is supposed to mow the lawn and I guess a friend or neighborhood kid comes over and says something and he's like, oh, you want to mow this lawn for me? And he's like, no, no. And he's like, but you can do it with my remote controlled robot lawnmower with this like huge like remote control that is the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. And the kid's like, no, I'll totally do it. And I'll give you a box of cookies for it. And he got Tom Sawyer. Yes, he got He got talked into doing a chore that was somebody else's responsibility. I want to talk about this kid because he disappears for a while. He comes back with horror music later in the film. And, okay, this kid was made a deal to mow the lawn. He is a day late. He said well, no, he says, I, he says he can't do it right away. Right no, away. But he said he would come back me, later is what he said. Like a and couple then he doesn't of hours show up till the next same day. day. If you were a day late, that invitation has been rescinded. There is no reason you should be in these people's backyard without even saying hello to people in the house. It, it was the night. No, it was the 80s. This came out in 89. It was the 80s. People just were friendlier and more open back then. Yeah, though uh, the... <laughs> The main characters in this film are very lucky that this kid has no idea how to mow lawns correctly because (laughs) he is just 
using it like a remote control and zigzagging every which way and not caring about like trying to get every blade of grass which works to the character's benefit because it takes a really weird path and they're able to avoid it several times but i do like oh oh sorry i was just gonna say that when it finally goes over them they're managed to shut down the machine just in time but they still go through the mower yeah like they are sucked out of the hole and i was trying to figure out how that worked magic but no this this universe is set in science sarah (laughs) this is more star trek than star wars yeah, and no magic happens on Star Trek? It's always no. explained by science. Not well. <laughs> yes, but they always have some pseudo-explanation. Um, and sometimes it's lasers, and sometimes it's less lasers. This is lasers. No, no, this solution here was we needed one less laser on the machine. Um, It's a random line that I wrote down that is just when the phone rings at one point. I think Amy answers it, and she... And Quark barks, and she looks at him and goes, it's not for you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so that's Selinsky that says that. Is it? That is, is um, it? I was, Wayne. Face? Wayne or Rick Moranis was the name I was Rick trying Moranis, to find. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, it's not for you. <laughs> I'm like, best dog. <laughs> it's just a really weird line that he just like says perfectly to yeah. a dog. So while we're on the subject of the phone, they have hooked up some sort of mechanism, I guess, so that it'll auto go into like the answering machine. Why they just couldn't have a regular answering machine is beyond me. But one of the, in the mechanism to hit the, what's the thing? The little arm on the phone to hang up calls. They have like this rotating thing and it's like a doll's finger. It looks like a <laughs> severed hand is hanging up the phone for them. And then he, what is it? He takes apart, when he's trying to fix the machine, he takes apart the cat clock that meows at him when he yes. tells it that he's going to take it apart. So this is another thing I forgot and only recognize in my second viewing here was um, I didn't remember that he beat up the machine at all. Oh, yeah. He goes oh, nuts yeah. on Cause, it. Yeah, because... So the kids are shrunk in the attic to give context to our listeners. Uh, Rick Moranis comes home after his terrible conference where he got made fun of and not got no grant money. And the cool he, scientist just bullied him. He goes postal on this machine, like hitting it, breaking the circuit boards. And I have a note that like circuit boards take a while to manufacture. And like if you break them, you can't fix them real good. With a cat clock? <laughs> yes. So I guess he had duplicates of the circuit board somewhere. But this is a world way before they had like prefabbed circuit boards that you can just go out and buy or get delivered in a day. So my note about this scene was he destroyed the machine, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, stay out of here, Quark. There's bro- broken glass everywhere. And he starts sweeping up. And that's how the kids end up in the trash because mm-hmm. he sweeps them up and and they get in the trash bag. He takes them out. Later on, he goes back up into the attic again after he discovers the baseball bat mm-hmm. and the broken window. So he goes up there to have a look around and ends up stepping on his thinking couch that has also gotten shrunk. So if he swept up all of the little broken pieces off of the floor, why is the couch couch? and chair still sitting on the floor? That is really bad at sweeping. Yeah, I 
He's very bad at cleaning. We know <laughs> that from the rest of his house, Mark. Y- yes. Yeah, because the mom comes home and he's that like, was that's the kid's why I job, had Amy though. clean. Uh, no, it is the father's responsibility <laughs> if the mother is away to make sure the house is tidy. Now, he has a teenage daughter that is picking up a lot of the slack for him, and he is not appreciating her. But there's this point where it's like, yeah, it's cl- uh, that's why I had Amy clean it. And they just <laughs> stop and kind of look around and go, uh... It is disgusting in this house. Yeah, that house is real bad. I would not want to live there. Like, it we- seems cleaner <laughs> at the very end. But when it's like, Thanksgiving? Yes. But well, like, maybe he got a new job, time. or maybe he made a million dollars with that shrink gray. Oh, why are they in the same second. house? Sarah, you mentioned... Because they a, love it. You mentioned a waffle earlier in the film. I don't think that's quite correct, because Little is Debbie apparently a had a sponsorship for this film. I believe it's Has an he? oatmeal pie that he pulls <gasps> oh, out. Oh, maybe. That would make sense. Yeah. Then he could have Actually, it in his pocket. It would make sense, because later on, they eat one of those out in the backyard. It's yes, true. it's one of the cookies Nick has left behind and has not been sworn by ants yet. And, and would be much easier to pull out of a pocket because yes. it has a wrapping. Now I'm going to want oatmeal cream. It <laughs> illustrates the point that a group of four children can live for 24 hours on nothing but a little bit of sugar out of a cookie. Yeah. Because you never see them eat or drink anything else other than little pieces of uh, this cookie. I that think they at find one point, Amy drinks sludge. Well, yes, because mud is mud, no matter how small you are. Right. Um, but I, I did like the scientific conversations that they have in this film, because they, they shrink down, they're in the backyard, they're besieged by several different problems, one of which is the sprinklers going on, which creates kind of a water slide effect, which we will get into, because they actually put this in Walt Disney World, and I remember visiting while they had that thing, uh, but... It's not there anymore. I know. Uh, but like, this is where Amy, uh, falls into the water and apparently can't swim to save her life, literally. Uh, and Russell, I think maybe she was supposed to have just hit. Yeah. Russell jumps in to save her, but he's standing up and it's barely to his waist at the time. So she could have just stood up because he keeps like diving down and coming back up for air and he can't find her. And, but she like she never struggles. She just goes straight yeah. in and yeah, is like just... passed out. So it's not that she. I don't think she can't swim. I think they should just. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Until she has a lesson in French class. Yes. Yeah. Hey, but we t- we talked about in an earlier movie about CPR always being portrayed mm. super like yeah. pretty. Yeah. And this was one where like she does like cough up a lot of water mm-hmm. and kind of throw up. So it's a little more realistic yeah. version of CPR this than This is normal. really trying too because Russell puts in a lot of effort to save her and she gives no indication that she is still alive until he gives up and then she coughs up water. But yeah, it is It is not a pretty, oh, I'm going to save this person's life and it's going to be beautiful. It's gross and muddy and gucky. And I'm yeah. like, that's probably what, if you ever have to give CPR, it's a lot more like that. <laughs> uh, so well, I want to talk about the things that they get besieged by in this lawn. Uh, because I realized this today, like several of the things they run into are like, how the four elements would affect a smaller creature in this world. Because the sprinklers come on, and that's the water. The dad flicks in the cigarette, and that's the fire. And they all get cancer. Yeah. Uh, the the bee <laughs> flying through the air, that could be the wind or, like, the 
the lawn mower blowing up a bunch of things, sucking them through, and like all the earthquakes and animals of the earth could represent the earth there. And I think that was, I don't know if that was intentional, but it was a really neat thing that like the four elements affecting a smaller creature. There's a lot of variety. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're talking about the creatures that they run into, Mm -hmm. do you want to talk um, about Sarah as our resident California person? How often did you have scorpions wandering around your backyard? I don't think I okay. I ever saw a scorpion. Now, I think they, it's possible. Do they but, give I mean, any indication possible. that they're in California other than this is a movie probably filmed in Hollywood? I Well, I guess they never actually say that, do they? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where so, it is. So when this scorpion appeared on screen, I had a full minute where I just, I had to pause the film and just go, wait, what? Wait. Yeah. Okay. What? Apparently, it was filmed in Mexico City, but it's supposed to take place in Fresno. So it is in California. Okay. I I did some research on this because I was so confused as to why a scorpion showed up in a film that I assume was in the Midwest, but apparently was in California. Uh, because I associate scorpions with either like the desert or the outback, which this is very much not. There are deserts in California. Yes. There are, but this is definitely suburban area right. that this takes yeah. place in. Uh, but I was proven wrong because the little research I did, there are two species uh, living in America that could very well have been there. So as yep. crazy as I thought it was, they were actually fairly accurate with what could yep. have happened. Fresno's kind of mid-California. But then it just never comes back again either. No. You would think that well, it's because, might... okay, another stupid comment that I have uh, is does scorpion have eyes? <laughs> what? They must, right? Well, okay, <laughs> they do, but they're they're very close to the face. Like they throw a spear and everybody like pierce it. That's why the scorpion yeah. goes away. I thought they would have like some sort of protected eye or like it's not like a human eye. It's certainly. well, scorpion is an arachnid, so wouldn't it have eight eyes like a spider? Sure, make me think uh, about that, Mark. Yes, I, that was just just they for look you, like Carl. They're just kind of on the top front of their head. Yeah, so it just didn't seem like a weak point in the scorpion, like it would be in most animals. But it has two eyes on the top of. It's cephalothorax and usually two to five pairs of eyes along the front corners of the cephalothorax. So it has several eyes. It has many eyes. So it was taking out one eye would not handicap this thing. I mean, it still got stabbed. It's got to hurt. I just, it, how, would you, also, how would you see anything with so many eyeballs? I don't like, know what that has, would look like. Uh, we're not going to go into what a scorpion would see here, Mark. Because that's uh. a conversation I'm not ready for. But, like, he did get <laughs> stabbed, but he also has several stabbers on his body. He is ready to he go just, for battle. He's a very sensitive scorpion, and he didn't like being bullied. Oh, fair well, We also just pointed out that he would have had other eyeballs to see with, yes. so even if one gets poked out... But the most trying thing in this scene is that the scorpion Aww. stings Auntie, and Auntie dies. Auntie dies. I wrote, who knew you could get so sad over a dying ant? <laughs> oh, Because like, I certainly didn't during ants the other week. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. 
But this Did was any of the, them actually this was die? the type of character yes. that is very strong and doesn't really understand what's going on. He has very basic needs. It's like when a, a like when a dog dies. We talked about Auntie being like a dog. Yeah, it's like when a dog he is dies, a dog with an exoskeleton. They don't understand. No, and it's. And yeah. you just want to comfort them and be there. But Ugh. they also had the thing, like, when a kid takes a stray dog home, but the parents tell him he can't keep them, they tried to say, Auntie, you need to go home to your family, buddy. We can't take care of you. And Auntie didn't understand them. and just kept following them. It was, oh, God, my heart. I can't. Oh, I can't oh, take it. You realized that the way that they got Auntie was by attacking him and trying to beat him up until he submitted and led them around. The only way that they were able to get him was that he was taunted with food. Yes. And that's how they, they got a hold of him. And, and that's how you break a horse, right? Somehow, somehow he's suddenly your friend. This was you gave Amy, the fully capable human who tamed the ant. <sighs> My favorite but it's character and crush as a child, Mark. It's definitely the way that 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 I guess it would show the the whole battle of the sexes thing because all the men just charge in and want to go have a battle, and the woman is like, "Here, let me yeah. give you some and food." And they fail horribly. <laughs> yes, Guys, food fixes everything. That's the lesson of this movie. Oh well, you just stole my lesson for the end. <laughs> no, I really. I've got at least two more. Uh, you can probably guess one of them, given our history on this podcast. Uh, but we will be getting to that. Uh, we are at 45-ish uh, minutes. So why don't we move towards the end? What are some of the, like, the final notes you have? We can move into the third act, but it's not very exciting. Basically, they, they get to, untrunk. I have to say <laughs> that I think a unequal amount of bad things happened to Nick. Oh, agreed. Yes. He has <laughs> a very Nick. trying day. <laughs> he gets he gets stolen by a bee. He gets almost eaten. Uh, Things <laughs> His well, okay. The eating thing at the end definitely, but his sister nearly drowns. Yeah. Poor poor Nick. Their family definitely like the other two <laughs> not as many bad things like Yeah. So I mean, they all got cancer from the cigarette, but <laughs> yeah, yes. cuz at that size you're not getting like just a little bit of it. Sarah, that's all the air left. Sarah, it's the it's like a campfire <laughs> made of toxic smoke. Sure, but they didn't spend a lot of time. But with you it. know what? He was too small to breathe in pollen, apparently. So maybe they True. just couldn't breathe in the smoke. Also, one of the things his sister says is that he's allergic to ants, which is the first I've ever heard of that being an actual thing. Maybe it's. Maybe it's more like fire ants. Maybe he's allergic to fire ants. Maybe. Maybe you're only allergic Everyone's to fire ants. Everyone's allergic to fire ants. But I want to talk about that that final scene because just before they get taken in by Quark and when Nick is drowning in the cereal bowl and his father nearly eats them, like <laughs> the parents are terrible at finding the children because they are looking hard and very vigilant. Vigilant. That's a word. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and they can't see them at all. And well, I get it. They are they're quarter inch tall, but like you'd think that they'd be able to make them out given how observant they're trying to be. They also point out several times though that the grass is like super long because it hasn't been cut in forever. Because after the bee scene that we discussed when they land, Russ says, "Oh, I think we're still in your yard." And Nick's like, "Well, how can you know?" And he says, "Because anywhere else the grass would be shorter." 
I, I would say the only time that really I think they should have seen it was maybe at the breakfast table, yeah. but I think they were both distracted because he wasn't looking down during that whole time. Right. Until Quirk saves the day again. Again, again. yes. It's always the dog. Though, Quirk, the hero. <laughs> uh, but to me, I really relate it with this because this is like a young, well, maybe they weren't young childs, but a fear a child has for their parent in that, they can't see them like so much. You want your parents to see what you're doing to be proud of you, to understand you as a human being and being right in front of them. And the parents just not seeing you for what you are or that you're even there, I think is something. I'm not sure I had that fear as a child, but we already talked about that. I am a robot. You are. Yes, you're a, a humanoid android. Uh, but Quark does save the day. Uh, and they take him upstairs and the kids are trying to explain why the machine worked the first time and it's not working now. And the parents are awful at charades. There is four adult human beings there that can't identify baseball until the dumbest one of them notices that a person is trying to swing a bat. Okay. First of all, only one of them could actually see the kids with the magnifying glass. So they may, you may not have had four adults trying to guess this, but the one who does guess it is the sporty, outdoorsy dad who would know Max that Edrum. kind of thing. Okay. I don't think Mr. Science would know uh, about baseball He knows what a baseball bat is, Mark. The it's film true. has previously established this. And, like, I'm not very sporty. I still understand <laughs> what baseball is and that it is in the genre of sports. But you're not as nerdy Sports as game. Wayne Zielinski either, so... That's fair enough. I have not invented a shrink ray or a 3D scanner as of yet. There is a really good kind of sight gag in this scene, because they decide that before they unshrink the kids, they're going to test it out on one of the adults in case it blows them up. Because they're good parents and went, like, let's not... Let's blow up one of us before we blow up one of them. Actually, he said we need to test it on a living thing, and Quark runs away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because Quark has all the best punchlines. But when he, they shrink Max Headroom, Ru Big Russell, mm -hmm. and when he uh, when they unshrink him, he puts on his baseball cap again, mm -hmm. and he keeps messing with it like it's too big for him now. Which means the rebiggening of this machine <laughs> is flawed. It's it's slightly off, so yeah. everyone is like half an inch shorter yeah, now. It'll bring you up to like ninety eight percent of your previous height. So, but like, they are able to enlarge a turkey for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, I mean, you could use it again and become a very large baby. Nobody's but, saying but that's not true. <laughs> but this took place during <laughs> summer and Thanksgiving. They've got a few months to figure out how to 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 work out the kinks and make themselves a giant plastic turkey. I am I am glad plastic turkey <laughs> that turkey looked that was... not edible okay yes the prop wasn't i think in the film this was their dinner it wasn't well, yes. it wasn't a centerpiece and that Quirk they were got just... a giant dog bone yes. now i want to talk about this deserves it how by the second movie did they not end world hunger yet waiting for the right price did it ever happen? Did did they say anything in the second movie about world hunger? I no, don't remember. None at Ma all. So how Maybe do you know that the they didn't solve it? Because I think Wayne Zielinski has a very narrow focus as to what his machine can be used for. Maybe the bully scientist just refused to talk to him anymore <laughs> and he can't get anyone to look at his invention. Shrink them. And this was before... Well, it's a big machine that sits in its <laughs> attic 
he hasn't like stuck it on a cart and like wheeled it to work yet yet, yet. I mean. and it's before youtube where he could just be like look at this video of me enlarging a turkey oh that's clearly edited that w- i would watch videos like that if if shrink rays existed i would watch people just shrink stuff and make it adorable calling the internet please make shrink yes. videos please for the love of god i, I mean i watch this. those like tiny kitchen things i like when things are really small uh, okay. Like... <laughs> like that tiny couch was adorable. Oh, I loved yes. it. Though... Except it was definitely destroyed after he stepped on it. So, but when when they're sitting on it and it's just a tiny couch, <laughs> it's adorable. I love it. All right, uh, we are getting near the end here. My last note <laughs> that we should probably talk about was the really uh, weird French class line that they they <laughs> oh. just can't leave alone. And this isn't the only example of it in this film, because at, at one point it's pointed out that the um, the older neighbor child, Russell, can't whistle. And so Amy says, well, you know how to whistle, right? You pierce your lips and blow, which is a very sexual line from another movie that they are clearly referencing to do here. that. Pierce? <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> continue. Um... I think I really like there are some moments where the parents are together after the kids get shrunk that are some really nice, quiet bonding moments for both pairs of parents Mm -hmm. where like Big Russell and I do not remember his wife's name. I don't remember any of the wives' names. I think that could be. But like they talk about how kind of the relationship with the kids and, and kind of have this very kind of serious chat about it. And uh wayne and his wife has a conversation about like how much they miss their children and stuff like that and i think it's some really good quiet moments there was times where the kids the cigarette came in and the kid says well dad doesn't smoke and the other one says oh he only does when he's really worried about something but then later after wayne and his wife tell the other two that they shrunk their kids Mm -hmm. They go home and the dad, you know, they're talking about, well, I don't believe him, whatever, whatever. Then he goes and turns on the porch light at nighttime and Mm. she's like, oh, I thought you didn't believe him. And he says, oh, electricity is cheap, but it's really more like he's giving the kids light to find their way home. And I think it's very in character for him that he has trouble like being very emotional, Mm -hmm. but these are the little ways of him showing no, he cares. It kind of reminds me of... uh, Red in that 70s show. Okay. Where it was very subtle things where he showed he loved his kids. That's fair. Except for the daughter who never showed up. mm, Yes. Uh, But (laughs) you're you're right. These are the moments that I liked the neighbor dad because he... he has the emotions. He just doesn't know how to show them or how to relate yeah. them to his kids. Uh, but the the scene that got me the most uh, was like the same type of scene from Goonies where it's the kids coming back home fully grown and hugging their parents. That reunion will get me every single time. Uh. But there's no sloth in this one. There's no sloth. <laughs> there's Auntie. Yes. We can bring back Auntie. We have the He's technology. He's not in the final hugging yeah, scene. Yeah, th- th- they should have found his body and been like, hey, Dad, can you figure <laughs> out a revival machine as well as a shrink ray? Get on that. <laughs> yes. Put it in, Could in you be go revive this one dead ant in the middle of the yard. Months. So you can fix our pet. And and, and he could use the, the growth ray to make him like a good dog size. Like not a huge ant, just a good size ant. 
Okay, I still think that would wreak <laughs> havoc because, like, he's yes. going to be 50 times stronger than however big you make him. Yeah, you can help. He can help you move bookshelves and stuff. Because <laughs> that's my main dilemma. Day to day, lifting bookshelves is one of the major chores I have. Yeah, you always have to be like, hey, I want to get all this stuff in a trailer, but I don't have a truck. And be like, well, I've got an ant. <laughs> I need to move. I'm just going to pack yeah. all the stuff on no, my no, ant. No. I don't have time to pack the books. I need to move the bookshelf <laughs> fully stacked today. Let's get an ant. Yes. When my ant moving company takes off, you're all going to be sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that does it for the film. Before we move on, I do want to talk about the theme park that I visited as a kid because there were specific <sighs> moments in the film that reminded me of the theme park. And clearly Disney knew what they had on their hands where they were advertising this section of their park before it opened. Cause when the water comes out, I think it's Russell slides down one of the leaves and it's very clearly a water slide that they built. And I believe they had the very same thing uh, at the park at Disney world. When did it, it Disney when did it what i also i also uh, think I they had a giant ant that children could yes. climb over like a jungle gym you type could, thing. i think they had it where you could sit on it and get your picture taken riding the ant mm. but yeah there was a whole like playground area with like the walls on like two sides of it were painted with houses and stuff to make it look like you were small and they had giant blades i think there was a camera that had a slide going through it or something yeah and so maybe a roll of film because everybody knows what that is nowadays. <laughs> okay. But, so I've no idea when it opened, but it looks like maybe it closed in 2016. Yeah. Yes, because now they're it building Toy Story and Star Wars in that area. Yeah. We didn't have this at Disneyland. We had they replaced Captain EO with Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. We had that, oh. we, we, that I, because yes, I live there. We. But yes, no, Disney World had that also. Yeah, I think I, that was, that one was of a the, cool show. That was one of the events or shows where you, you were sitting down in a theater and like it had the 4D yeah. type thing. Yes. Yeah, it had like this mist when someone sneezed. I think it was the, the dog. Do the that dog sneezed, sneezed at you. Yeah. you yeah. And Which I was very worried that about would as run a under kid your feet. Because I knew that sneezes had germs and I did not want to get sick. <laughs> I was very not There's okay one with part this. where like there's air that wishes by your ankles and it's supposed to be like. I don't remember what it was supposed to be, but I was there like, was, oh, I don't like it. There was rats that ran through the audience. Right. Yeah. And I did not like that. I think there was like something that. like between your legs that would spin and feel like a yeah. rat tail. And okay, there so was it, a snake. <laughs> a snake. It opened December 1990, so like yeah, a year right later. after the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I... I was going to say, I wish Disney did this more, but they do just for children of today. <laughs> I, but like Disney's very good at like making things very interactive. Yeah. Like all of their lines are very interesting and go along with the stuff. So, I mean, I mean, that's kind of their forte. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's something that other animation studios of the time. And I think even of today, they just can't compete with it. Like, there's no physical place that I could go to experience the world of ants. Not that I'd want to, but, like, it just doesn't <laughs> exist. I mean, if you want the worst vacation of your life, sure. I mean, you could... One of your family will end up headless. You God. could experience Barbados. the world of Harry Potter, but we're not going to talk about <laughs> that place. That's fair. 
That but is no, I something about that was nice was that it was a playground area, yeah. so the parents even enjoyed it because you could go tire out your kids, so they would actually go to bed at night. Yeah, and, there's no lines. It was the just kids. Open. Yeah, there's no lines to wait for a ride. The kids could just run around, do what they want, and be part of the movie. I don't. I guess the closest we would have had that was like Tom Sawyer Island. There wasn't really like a playground area at Disneyland. There was a petting zoo for a while though. Huh. Was there like a water park? Because I feel like that's the same type of thing. No. That's a shame. All right. Well, I think that's going to close out the conversation on the the movie at all. Uh, So let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game, whereby you combine multiple things and put them together in the form, it's this meets this, to come up with what Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is. So, Mark, you're going to start us off here. What do you have for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Using science to shrink humans to the size of a bug, and because children are surviving dangerous adventure better than the adults would, I have Ant-Man meets the Goonies. Well... You nailed it, uh, because my first one, uh, (laughs) since this is a fun sci-fi-themed film featuring technology capable of shrinking and enlarging objects and people, wherein the main characters befriend an ant and a type of bee is an enemy, uh, and a Disney film where a clueless father is trying to bond with his awkward adolescent son on a fishing trip, this is Ant-Man meets a Goofy movie. Yep. So, I also have Ant-Man. Surprise! Ant-Man for all the reasons above. (laughs) And because we have a absent-minded professor who keeps messing up life obligations due to his inventions, I have Ant-Man meets Flubber. (laughs) Very nice. All right, Mark. I'm so glad I got to go first because I really had to say that one before everyone else stole it. it, There's no way you couldn't reference Ant-Man in this because it has ants and shrinking. Yep. <laughs> okay. So Not my next one, Mark. <laughs> hey, shh. <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> you're kidding me. <laughs> All right, go, um, go, go, go. So, I again, I this one, I'm kind of nervous that someone might put this one, so I'm going to do this next. But uh, again, a mad scientist with a dog who also has a teenage companion who ends I'll up kill you. using their invention first. Also, because, again, kids get shrunk to the size of bugs and they survive by eating food that is several times their size, I have Back to the Future meets James and the Giant Peach. Oh, very nice. James and the Giant Peach. I forgot about that one. That's a good one. Should have used that. Uh, My second one. Uh, This is a film with an absent-minded scientist father obsessed with work reconnecting with his family after a scientific experiment goes haywire and a Disney film where the main characters befriend and fall in love with a a powerful, silent ally that is much stronger than them, who they later try to convince to go home, but they just won't leave. This is Lost in Space meets Harry and the Hendersons. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I said it was less good to you. We're getting obscure with these. Just wait. Uh, Okay, because we have a, a... Absent-minded, or a, a crazy scientist whose dog knows how to feed itself, and people shrinking and being in nature, it's Back to the Future meets Ferngully. Oh, Ferngully. Mm. 
gosh, there have been I, so I many was shrinking gonna do, movies. There's a movie epic that has shrinking and Beyonce, but no one ever watched no, that. No, I don't know what that uh, is. Nope. All right, nope. Mark, you have one more, yes? I have one more. Go, go, go. This one is a little bit more of a stretch, but okay. So in the movie, the heroes defeat an arachnid by jamming sharp objects into its eyes. And we also have Rick Moranis wearing ridiculous helmets while searching for the heroes of the film. So I have Lord of the Rings Return of the King meets Spaceballs. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, it was Return of the King, She Loves Lair? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. I hope so, because that's what <laughs> I wrote down. <laughs> Yeah, because the second one ends with them with Faramir, right? Uh, yeah, they just left him and they're wandering in the woods on their way to the stairs or something. Right, because Sam gives his last big speech while they're with Faramir and he's like, Follow me. It's the stuff about like, they're going to tell stories about us, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> and then they go and then Gollum talks to himself and then it ends with evil music and then it does Gollum's song. Oh. Uh. Then I'm going to meet a hot wife, Mr. Frodo. That's what I've been planning this whole time. It's fine. He does meet a hot he wife. Does. It's true. He, he just Good job. He is very prophetic. Um, Good job, Sam. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go on to our second game, which is alternate tagline, a word or phrase you would see on the movie poster that kind of encapsulates the theme of the movie. Uh, I will say right off the bat, I had trouble with these, and these are maybe not so great. But I, I agree. Mine needs some explanation, which I will get into. But so in the Carl past, will probably hate all probably. of mine. In the past, I remember we've actually read what the actual taglines oh, were. Yes, for these, I and have I, that. I don't. Did you find them? Yes. Because I only found one thing, and I thought it was actually. It was like a review of the movie. It wasn't even an actual tagline, so I'm not oh, sure if there were any. Okay, this one I found on IMDb, which is where yeah. I go for all these taglines, which is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the most astonishing, innovative backyard adventure of all time. Which, are, What other backyard adventures are there? Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, yeah, it's good. Let's see if we can beat it. Mark, you're starting us off. Let's go. Oh, again? Yeah, you, yeah. Mine, both of mine actually are references to other movies or TV shows. So the first one is say hello to our little friends. <laughs> That's probably about the level mine yeah, are on. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty good. All right, my first one is less of a tagline and more of a subtitle because I realize the title of the film doesn't really give you the tension of why this is a problem. So my first one would be something like Rick Moranis would say to his wife, which is... Honey, I shrunk the kids. Oh, but more importantly, I have also lost them. <laughs> um, I'll do my worst one first, yeah. kids. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Size does matter. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you, you, I had th I had thought of it, and I didn't. I left it off well, because I figured everybody would. Yeah, so. you know, I have one. I'll do that one next. Mark, what's so, your second one? So my second one here is for the Seinfeld fans that Carl tried to steal from me earlier. <laughs> so, honey, I shrunk the kids. Shrinkids, it's not just for pools. <laughs> We're all terrible Pretty people. Good. Uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. When it comes to playing in the backyard, size does matter. Um, honey, I shrunk the kids. For audiences of all sizes. Ah, Aww. that's that could be an actual. That's one. yes, that's a good one. 
Although, okay, so speaking and of... And sizes was in quotes, just so oh, you know. Good, good. So, so this is a way step backwards. Sure. When they run into the random Tyrannosaurus out in the yard, yeah, it's they're just... all scared because it's like a giant dinosaur, but it's shorter than the grass in their yard. Yeah, it's also clearly made of plastic. Like, its skin is smooth. Yeah. And it, anyway, yeah. that yeah. was a huge step so, backwards, but moving on. Yeah, I'll go on to no, my I, third one. Oh. Um, yeah. It's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. On the micro scale, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, true. It's been um, demonstrated. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. A really, really small step for man. <laughs> and a giant leap You're welcome. for a dog. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Teamwork. Uh, let's go on to our third game, which is uh, the TV guide game. A description of the plot of the film you would see in a Netflix description or a TV guide if they still existed. Uh, so, well, look, we're just going to keep going to you, Mark. Let's start us off. What's your first one? A helpless young ant develops Stockholm Syndrome after being tricked into carrying its captors over rough terrain in a dangerous territory. Ooh, very nice. So, Sarah, my TV guides are on the level of your taglines. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. So, <laughs> the first one I have is, a group of children get out of their responsibilities and have a little weekend at home. Okay. I, I just could not think of the puns this week, but you guys covered it for me. Yeah. A family's hijinks bring an arguing couple back together. Oh. Yeah. It's heartwarming. Uh, yeah, that is kind of along the lines of my second. And it's not really all that great. Okay. Two dysfunctional families find common ground and are saved from the brink of collapse when a mad scientist shrinks their children and the kids are forced to work together in order to survive and find a way home. Which is basically yeah. the exact description of the movie. Yes. Yeah, you should have just done that for your <laughs> your 30-second synopsis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, my second one. Two very different neighboring couples form an unlikely friendship, bonding over their small children. <laughs> <laughs> a man's amazing applesauce recipe is ignored due to family problems. <laughs> yep. That one wins. Oh, God. These are, these are all great. I I, I want to give an advertisement for this episode, but the people are already listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to bring us, I believe, to plugs. No, I have one more. Oh, that's right. I forgot you prepared. Okay. <laughs> a teenager goes way too far to get out of a 15 trip. <laughs> that is true. Uh, all right. So, Sarah... Let's take us into plugs. Where can people... F- no, are we going to do the scales? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm tired. Carl doesn't no, remember no, no. how we do this no, anymore. No, no, no. I prepare games. I never prepare my review. <laughs> and so a lot of times, most times, I forget that the reviews even exist. I actually usually do, too. And then I have to remember what my ideas were while we're recording right. i am prepared today okay why don't you start us off and try to vamp while i look at the scale all right we will start with our first scale which is our potato scale and i rated this mashed potatoes because i thought in the end it's very heartwarming because the parents problems are fixed the neighbors find common ground the kids like each other now there were a lot of heartwarming moments when they're with auntie and with quark and everything, and it just made me happy. Mm-hmm. Well, 
surprise, hmm. surprise, I'm going to go right along with you there uh, for much of the same reasons. I mean, the any time in a film where a child has gone missing and then gets back with their parents, it just it hits me right in the feels. Uh, and so I also have to go mashed potatoes. And I'm trying to find any other one that I um, could use here. And, like, that, it's a little black potatoes, but, like, not enough that it, it deserves a full black potatoes, if that makes sense. <laughs> where A bite of black potatoes. Where, like, there are some troubling issues in that this is a family in trouble. You feel at the start of the film that they could be separating soon, but they manage to work things out, and it all comes together in the end. So, like, I want to find something else, but I can't. Mashed potatoes is the only one for me. So, I picked this movie because I remember liking it a lot, and it's still a decent movie, but I would say it's not as good as I remembered it being. So, although it does have the mashed potatoes to it, I might I might call it a mashed sweet potatoes because not as expected. Huh. Also, might be a few potatoes with eyes in there, which is the spoiled with age, just because, I don't know, I didn't, I don't. I did not get into it as much. I was not emotionally invested in it as much now as I remember liking it when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I, I'm i going to go a little bit lower than you, I guess. Well, oh, maybe I mean, not lower, but different. We yeah. haven't gotten there so yet. I, I guess we don't have lower on a potato scale. Yeah, but these are the emotions this option. film evokes in each one of us, which brings us to our second scale, which is a more traditional zero to ten scale, telling you whether or not you should watch this film uh, so I'm going to start us off here, and I like the film. I think Mark is correct in that some of the effects have aged poorly. Uh, the most egregious one is the B scene, and that goes on far too long. Like, if it was just a quick cut or, I don't know, 10 seconds of film would be fine, but the scene goes on for a couple of minutes, uh, which is too much. Um, and I think the particularly the drowning scene is very trying like i it it made me worried about her which i wasn't prepared for uh and i don't know <laughs> what face are you making <laughs> Sorry, it was just like I was gonna say, but you know she survived. But I, then again, I do. That, I see, and that's with wh- Homeward Bound, we both were like, "Do Shadow?" Get out <laughs> I, of I think that's. I think so that's I why, like, I'm yeah. not as emotionally into it anymore, is because I know what's coming up. So I just it didn't really hit me that hard. So anyway, I, what's I'm your still number? I'm gonna rate it highly, but not as highly as it could be. I'm gonna go for a solid eight. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half. I enjoyed it. It was fun. The B scene didn't bother me. But that might be because I was really tired and my eyes weren't quite working, so maybe they just couldn't track the badness if of it. If you squint, I don't it's know. great. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what was going on. It was real early in the morning when I watched this. Um, so eight and a half. I think it's good. It's not like my favorite top tier, but it's it's just right, right below that. Mm-hmm. Just a smidgen. So, so the B scene didn't bother me either, actually. Um, I could tell it's dated, but at the same time, the whole movie is... It's its not like Phantom Menace dated. Y- yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it didn't really bother me. You can tell it wasn't up, like brand new special effects, but... Um, and given my potato rating, like, I just feel like it wasn't... It didn't hit me with the emotions as much, but like I just said, it's kind of more because I know the movie and I know what's coming up. So... 
I also would give it an 8 as far as rewatchability or watchability if you have not seen it before. It's definitely something you should see at least once. Yeah. All right. So that is going to close us out for reviews. Luckily, Sarah saved me. Uh, who? What is that? Your schedule for the podcast? No, that's my plugs. Oh, yes. So now is the time for plugs. <laughs> uh, Sarah, where can people find us online should they choose to do so? You can find us at retrograding.fireside.fm. You can find us at Retrograding Podcast on Facebook. Also, for just among you guys, our fans, there's Retrograding Party Line. Correct. So yes. the reason there are two is because Facebook is dumb. Uh, and Facebook has a very clear delineation on what you can do between pages and groups. I believe Retrograding Party Line is our group, so we can do things like polls, where we'll be posting things like our taglines. You can vote on which one you think is best. Um, but you just can't have the same features on the same page because Facebook is dumb. Yeah, you can also find us on iTunes at just look up Retrograding under their podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and if you really want to do us a favor, if you like this episode... Give us a share on Facebook, a like, tell your friends, leave us a review on iTunes, send out random messages in a bottle saying how great we are. No, no that's littering. Whatever. It Don't litter, <laughs> please. Don't associate littering <laughs> with our podcast. It's not littering if someone eventually picks it up and reads the message. Then it's just cool. Um, anyway, but those help us out a lot, and it's the way we're going to spread the word is you guys telling people you like us and tying them up and making them watch or listen to an episode. Yes, so. please tie up your friends, force them to listen. Mm -hmm. uh, our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud if you'd like to contact her or no more. And to close us out, we're going to do our final segment, which is, guys, I learned something today. Uh, so, number one lesson of pretty much every film that has this is get a dog. Uh, Quark is the best. He saves the family time and time again. Uh, the other lesson I have is it comes from a scene where Russell is spying on Amy. And then when he comes over a house letter, he lets her know he was spying on her. So the lesson is just keep your creeping quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to close up this episode of Retrograding. We'll catch you next time. Keep an eye out next week uh, for clues on what our next episode will be. See you then. This meets lit. It's this meets this. I hope you. I hopeless. I hope the. Okay, starting over. A group of children get. Oh, sorry. Let me start that one over. <clears throat> A group of children. <laughs> Game time. <laughs> I made us the theme. Is it the theme? Song. I think you've listened to the theme maybe all of twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the new thing where I go. Da, 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 game time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've paid money for the music that we already have. Can, can that has like you can pay me. That has rhythm and like a treble. <laughs> that had rhythm. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I mean, it wasn't good, but it had a distinct beat. Can we just record her going, game time, and play it over <laughs> the music that we have? We'll do the remix. Uh, we. <gasps> oh, then it would be like that vial song that was that uh, Carl hasn't heard you know, yet, maybe. It does occur to me that the, the end of the game music that we currently have, it stops abruptly. So maybe I could like do a record <laughs> scratch, then go into Sarah, then go into the actual games. Game time. I, Go, okay. Mark. No, 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 so no, 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 hoping... no, no, no. Let me say the what, thing. What? Let, okay. I gotta, no introduction. I gotta introduce the games. It's what we do every no. single time. Why don't we just record no. that and let them no. listen to the recording? No, you know, no. Just no. listening to a recording is boring. No. It has to be live to tape. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Too many bleepers. Apparently we've been doing this episode for too long. All of it's a cut. Just cut, cut, cut.